Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Gwen Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Lee was just yawning. I think that means that he's bored with us. Wouldn't you be? Yeah. yeah. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm energetic and energized and ready to just have a great time. All the way from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, where he has had many small children invading his house. One of the pastors <laughs> of Crash Community Church, Lee Younger. You totally busted me out on that. That was a that, I'm, that I'm was an off-tape ex- rant. I'm giving you an excuse for the yawn, <laughs> Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Help well, me I'll, help you, Lee. I will say this for, for our podcast listeners who don't know it. Um, Jed Brewer and I have a, uh, a working theory that based on when he goes to bed and when I wake up, we keep a constant vigil on the planet Earth. Exactly right. Between the two of us. And so we're, we're at the end of my shift. We're kind of at the beginning of Jed's. That's why I'm so energized. I'm ready to rock and roll, save the world. That's what I do. Let's, uh, let's keep expectations in line, shall we, Brewer? It's a part I, of my life. I'm never all that energized, to be honest with you. I don't know if you heard, but I saved the world over a thousand times. Wow. It's a lot of salvation. Wow. We're making references to, pe- to things people don't know and then altering them enough so they're barely recognizable as a reference. Yeah. That's actually really, that's my life. We're, re- we're, are we, this, this whole podcast, this intro segment now, just how quick can we alienate the audience? Yes, that's exactly right. But, do, do, we're going wait, for some kind of PR. Do our listeners not know that reference though? Really? They won't admit that they right do. in. Okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we go, look, we have the, we we come the three of us in Chicago here come here from our staff dinner and staff meeting, which I'm gonna say thirty percent of which a lot of times is Glenn, Jed, and I making a reference, laughing, and then four people staring back at us confusedly. Well, yeah. Also, to Glenn's point, I think there's like a there, there's a there's probably a, a good another uh, another good off tape discussion about how much. Uh, how many uh, you know salty references Christians would pretend to not get because they shouldn't yes. be watching those shows, but they yeah. love them? Let's combine references you don't get with uh, allusions to the things we talk about off air, which are way more entertaining than what we talk about on the show. Welcome to say that, suckers. <laughs> what, what are we doing to my show here? What happened? Well, here's one one thing that happened off tape. I'll put on tape was. This uh, yesterday we had a meeting with the Presbyterians. We did the PCA. These are seminary students that yes, were Covenant Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. They had lots of hope and joy. And Not after you got done, they didn't. No, they didn't. But uh, uh, but uh, along the lines of what you're saying with the salty talk and so on and so forth, um, they they sent me a list of questions to answer. Uh, in as I described it from from the podium a series of passively aggressively worded emails that they insisted I stick to only these questions. That's church people, all right. And so I was going through the questions, and one of the questions is, uh, you know, uh, doing uh, inner city work with inner city church planters is is hard. Uh, why do you continue to, to do that work when it's hard? Wow. And uh, I said, well, I, I, I like things uh, that are difficult. I like rising to challenges. Um, I'm I'm kinky for the hard. Yeah, and in my mind, I didn't think that was a particularly off-color thing to say. Well, as someone who's in the audience, I can tell you that they disagreed with you. Yeah, they, they, they <laughs> there was a what happened because I was I wasn't saying it for effect. I'm blowing through and making points and stuff. I'm kinky. I'm kinky for things that are hard, but you know that's the thing. The Lord gives us strength and joy, and for things that 
He calls his tune. So I'm just here rolling along. And the whole audience is like, did he just say kinky? <laughs> we got a room full of Presbyterian seminary students. These are the kind of people who say, well, I'm reading Calvin for fun in my off time anyway. Right, sure. right. I might as well get college credit for it. Yeah. This is the audience. Most of them under 25. Yeah. With their, you know, we ha- there was an infant in the room. We were yes, talking about, yes, you know, yeah. couples of their wives. Sure. And they Wholesome. did not know what to make of Uncle Glenn. No. There was a woman there who commented on that exact thing. She's gotten roped into this because she does work with death row inmates yes, in, in Missouri. Missouri yeah. Tat sleeves up and down her arm, talking about her history of addiction, and she, I can't believe you said that in front of people. <laughs> this is a woman whose ministry is going on to death row. She yes. cannot believe the things Glenn says in public. It's good. So um, just be thankful for, for off-tape discussions. You know, we're, sure. We're giving you people the clean That's right. Version. We really try to clean it up for you. If you would like to be part of an off-tape discussion and you live in the Houston, Texas area, Whoa. good news, because okay. Uncle Glenn is coming to your town. Okay. A triumphant return. And on that basis, I declare an emergency. Good, because we were waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I just remembered we needed to do that. Yep. So, yeah, I'm coming back to Houston. Dates that the people can... Uh, uh It feels like uh, a week from today, which would be the 12th, Yes. And the that's a Sunday the 12th and Monday the 13th. I will be doing meetups with podcast superfans. Now, you may be asking, am I meeting with regular fans of the show? I was as, asking as, that. As oh. opposed to superfans. Sure. Yeah. Um, the answer to that is no. Okay. Um, if you're just a regular fan and not a superfan... I think you need to think about what you've done. Will proof of superfan status be required for admittance to said meeting? Well, well, sure. I mean, I you know, I know who they are. Okay. You know what I mean? Sure. Okay. If you're a superfan, it's like uh, Santa Claus. You know, he knows you've been naughty or nice. Many know? will say to you on that day, Glenn, Glenn. Exactly. You okay. Know, so wow. I know. I mean, Jed, do you think that story is about Santa Claus? Yes. <laughs> you had some weird Christmases when you were a kid, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I bet he did. But that's a different, you know, I did for topic. a lot of reasons. It's <laughs> a different emergency <laughs> altogether. But uh, yeah, it's a triumph return. I'm meeting with super fans. Uh, uh, as we've we've found this to be true so far, and all the meetups that I've done, unusually attractive people, sure, mm. uh, unusually cool people. So it's one of those things like we'll meet like at the coffee shop and be talking about things, yeah. And all the other people around in the coffee shop would be like, "Man, I wish I was at that table talking about that stuff." And it's like you know what? Too bad. Well, let me ask a question. The, you know, you're talking about unusually attractive super fans meeting up. Mm-hmm. Let's say that uh, let's let's say somebody was in the Houston area. There's super right. fan for whatever right. reason. They haven't found this dude hasn't found the girl of his dreams. Right? Could meeting up with you and the super fan uh, uh, Uncle Glenn meetup could that potentially be a place to find Mrs. Wright? No question. I'm I'm gonna. I like what Lee's going with this because yes. I think what you're pitching, Lee, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is that there should be lonely single Christians who just want to meet an isolated, and maybe they tried the right. singles group, maybe they tried the online thing. It hasn't worked. Here's what you try: just follow Glenn around. That's sure, right. no sure. question. Glenn will be the Pied Piper of single Christians. Let, I, I, okay, here's what I'm going to say about that. Have you, Matt King, yes, sir. ever been with me in public where I have not 
attempted to get you married? No. Does yeah. that include this Presbyterian gig yesterday, where, as I mentioned, the only women in the room were married to the people who are in seminary? That's correct. Did Glenn still say, Matt is safe, single, ready to mingle, yes, and has told me he would love to meet a nice Presbyterian guy? <laughs> yes, yes. Has, you may be asking yourself, dear Which listener. No, I, wait, hold up. No one has ever said, I'd like to meet a nice no. Presbyterian guy, but I made that up just so sure. I could get you married. Yeah, sure. Now, you may be asking yourself, gentle <laughs> listener, well, sure, Glenn says these things, you know, before he's getting into the content, he kind of, you know, to goose right. the room or whatever. Would he ever say, I don't know, open his sermon yeah. at the bridge with that because yes. he forgot to say it during the opening? And the answer, I don't think you'll be surprised to find out, is yes. <laughs> that's correct. So that's and I will point out, when you're, he's doing this gig yesterday, he didn't open with a say. He was five minutes into the talk right. and said, oh, I forgot something, yes. and then did this bit. Yes. That's good. Yeah, it's like I it was talk- one of your bullet points or something. Yeah, it was like uh, Matt King loves movies about horses, long walks in the rain. Dancing. He loves to dance. And the Institutes of John Calvin. Sure. That's right. And then the people were intrigued. Well, here was the line, and it was used about other single male staff members before I got here, but it is, you know, Matt enjoys movies about dancing and horses and feelings. And we've talked about this, and it's just one of the great mysteries of the universe, because even Glenn doesn't know if he means... Movies about all those things, or there's just one movie about dancing horses with feelings. Yeah, right? that is like the the penultimate. That's, that'd be yeah, a pretty that's, great movie. That's the, that's the one. But uh, yeah, I think say that super fans, if you're single, we can fix that in like one go. Sure. Well, if we want to, um, if these people want to get in on the super fan meetup, they should drop you a message on your Tumblr. Yes, on the Tumblr, uh, they can. Yes, they can follow. If mostly people follow my my Tumblr, that's Unka Glenn U N K A G L E N dot Tumblr dot com, and they can message me there. They're not Tumblr folks. They can uh, find you on Twitter at Glenn Fitzgerald, or can, you're on Facebook as well. Yes, that's and, Fitzgerald F I T Z J E R R E L L. Yes, and uh, and uh, or just wander around Houston. Sure, see what happens. What you could do is just ask people, where's Glenn at? Sure. And then they'll be like, I, I, I saw him earlier, probably around the corner. Just a Marlon Brando style, just screaming Glenn through the yeah. streets. Yeah. They'll, 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 they'll point you the way. But that's the thing is um, probably some people now that are just regular fans, or they're like, you know what? I don't know. You know, I want to measure up. You know? Sure. So I think now's the time to, to consider that. Because here's another thing. Okay. You know who else is in Houston? Tell me. Our nemesis. Joel Montgomery Osteen? That's correct. Okay. And um, a lot of people say, you know what? This town is too big for the two of us. Uh-huh. Do you I share that they say assessment? the opposite of that. Uh, they say this is about a medium-sized town for two people and several million other people. Okay. And I said, well, that doesn't make any sense. But here's what I'm saying. <laughs> Is you got Joel Osteen. Right. Right. He's there. I'm there. Uh, and here's the question I have is can you, because we have our fans. Right. The super fans. Right. Right. Does Joel Osteen have any super fans? He's got regular fans, but does he have super fans? Well, I'm sure he does because he can purchase them. <laughs> you, you, you can rent super well, fans if the situation requires it. Well, that's the the, the brutally cynic viewpoint, Brother <laughs> Jed. Thank you for that. Do you think it's not true? Well, it's definitely true, but... <laughs> 
But I think for the most part, he just has lots of fans, right? And that's different right. than having super fans. Oh, no, yeah. It don't matter numbers of fans. That's that, This doesn't mean anything. It's the level of passion right. that those fans it's have. It's the quality of the fandom. Because here's the thing. If Joel Osteen says, hey, y'all, let's all go for a walk or something, uh, and he would say it like that, he would say, Y'all, let's yeah, let's go for a walk. I believe he called a stroll. Let's go for a nice stroll. There you go. This is how people in Texas don't talk, but it's how Joel Osteen talks, which is strange, y'all. <laughs> That's not a Texas accent. That's Carolina accent. But uh, nobody knows why. But so here's what I'm saying. If he says let's all go for a walk, you know what people. A lot of those people are going to say, you know what, uh, I don't think so. Sure. I got things to do, places to be, you know. Sure, sure, so sure. But super fans is a different scenario. Come on. You know what I mean? If we say, kick off the revolution, they're in the streets. Boom. Sure. So that's, you know, it's a different thing. They're going to be mauled when they're in the streets because there aren't many of them, but they'll oh, yeah. be there. Yes. Well, you know, one thing that does occur to me, though, with the super fandom, the meetup, you know, one of the things that I understand, you know, the kids, they like to do, you know, to express the fandom is playing dress up or, as they call it, cosplay. Right. And I think, you know, if you're feeling like, I want to be a super fan. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I'm just a regular fan now, but I'd like to be a super fan. Mm -hmm. I think one way you can do that is by doing the Unka Glenn cosplay for your meetup with Unka Glenn. <laughs> and here's the thing. If you do Unka Glenn cosplay for your meetup with Unka Glenn, two things are going to happen. First of all, immediate promotion to super fan status. No That's guaranteed. Number two, boom, free month of Bridge Box, just because that would make me so delightfully happy. You, you would pay their their month of Bridge Box. I would. I will give happen. you a free month of Bridge Box if you will document. You got to have a photo, but Unka Glenn cosplay for your Unka Glenn meetup. Dude. Well, I. I I think what what we need is uh, a, a to to have a, you know in your cosplay because you got to do all the different characters. Right, cosplay, right, right, right. Well, you got to do the time traveling cyborg. Sure, sure. You know what I mean? Cardboard box, uh, uh, aluminum foil, <laughs> spray paint. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, let's yeah. check with the adjudicator here. Are we comfortable saying free month of bridge box for any form of say that cosplay for your Uncle Glenn meetup? Sure. Okay. I think we can spread that out. I think. Any uh, say that themed arts and crafts you want to bring? Okay, <laughs> and uh, the, don't forget to throw in guaranteed marriage. <laughs> sure, bridge box really? and marriage. We'll hook so, that up someday. People are going to ask you how'd y'all meet, and you say I dressed up as a time traveling cyborg, right. went to Starbucks, bam, married, married. That's the kind of quality love story we all want to have. What, what I want to see is I want to see on a wedding invitation at some point. This a, a girl dressed up as a time traveling cyborg. A guy dressed up as Matt King. You know, yes. kilt, beard, yes. the whole nine yards. Yes, I don't wear yes. that every day. I Dude, don't lie out. to the people. Only only days Fair ending enough. with Y. Sure. Some some days he wears his lounging kilt. <laughs> it's a pleasant breeze. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think yeah, that's how we met. You know, I was a cyborg. He was he was a, a kilt he was wearing a little known podcast host. <laughs> 
and and story just, as old as time, really. <laughs> I mean, eyes met across a crowded room, and just that was it. We knew we were meant for each other. I don't know that any of this is funny to anybody else, but I think it's hilarious. I do. <laughs> I think that could be the title of the show. <laughs> that would be pretty. Accurate. Welcome to Funny to Jed. <laughs> Somebody say emergency oh. off so we can get out of this. Glenn well, has a mouthful of cookie. Emergency off. Thank hey, you. I have a mouthful of demon cookie. <laughs> and yeah, I'm getting it out there. You thought we were going to get past it. No, we're not. My demon cookie. He demon cookie. Jed's wi- lovely wife, Hallie, made some Halloween cookies. With graven images on them. <laughs> with, with ghosts. With purple and orange ghosts. And they're demon cookies. And are you eating them? Um, they are delicious. <laughs> Uh, so heard that here, um, folks. Demonic equals delicious. All right. Well, that was a very see off. That was a s- unending cavalcade of bad <laughs> ideas. I think would be the way I would characterize the last fifteen minutes of our collective lives. I think it is important, though, Matt. Some people are maybe just casual fans of the show. I don't think that's true. And they're saying, "I got to take it up a notch." Sure. I got to do something to make sure I become a super fan before it's too late. Sure. So what could they do? Probably nothing, right? Thank you for interrupting the segue I was working to jam in a segue of your own. <laughs> yes. They could sign up for Bridgebox. <laughs> Whoa. Occasionally, Glenn just tunes in and out. <laughs> and he doesn't really know what part of the show we're at. But he just kind of comes out of his fugue state and says, I got to help. <laughs> I'm helping. I was going with this is bad ideas and a good idea is Bridgebox is right. crew that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't Glenn do just that decided, one. Nope. No. This we're doing this now. You I'm can just going to jump Bridgebox. in there. Sure. missionusacom <laughs> slash Bridgebox eight dollars a month. You get a lot of cool stuff: music, sermons, Bible studies. We just found out that this month, uh, three of our Bridgebox Bible studies were sent to guys in downstate prison facilities here in Illinois to use and study together. So that's the kind of high quality stuff we're working with there, and you nice. can get that. Sermons from Glenn and myself, writings from uh, some guests we've had coming in, all that $8 a month. And that money goes directly to fund ministry here in Chicago. Sometimes people ask what we mean by that. Right now we have two part-time staff workers, guys who have been through drug addiction, been to jail, come out, are products of our ministry, worked in the fears, and they're now part-time missionaries in one of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago. At work they would not be able to get the funds to do otherwise, and we're able to help them do that with us because of your support of Bridgebox. The only reason that happens, very cool. You can also sign up for the Lee Younger Brand version. That's a new track from Lee every month. Yes, Supports sir. his ministry down there in Tennessee with young folks, folks in jail, folks in the church, and we get a little bit of that for mm-hmm. our operating costs as well. It's missionusa.com slash BBLY. You can email me, Matt, missionusa.com to get the super secret link to get both of those at $16 worth of stuff a month for only $12. Cool. All right, we're going to jump into our first question here. If you have a question, this can have us all the way to the end, and I'll give you the addresses. You can get in touch with us. Speaking of super fans, this comes into us from Bridey. Some would say the original superfan. Mm. Many would say that. Certainly the southernmost superfan. I think we can... It's probably between her and Patricia in Australia, but... Yeah. We're surprisingly well represented in the oceanic continents. Well, the, the problem is that they have to have a special machine that turns it right side up again. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> All right, Bridie. It's basic science. Absolutely. Ask, hey guys, I've had a few people around me lately start talking about and getting freaked out about the end times and all that stuff. How do I try not to get caught up in that, and what things would should I do or apply to my walk at the moment? Lee, why don't you kick us off? 
I'd love to. Uh, thanks, Brody, for writing in your question, for uh, for always supporting us so much. Uh, this is a really cool question, and it's one of those things that that happens from time to time. You know, people get you know they get fired up about the uh, the end of days, and they they get freaked out about it. I think people get freaked out about it because when you actually do read the Book of Revelation, there's some freaky stuff in there. But the cool thing is, is that we don't have to be freaked out or worried about this thing at all. Like if, if we took, if we kind of took this from a different angle and I was to ask you, what if I told you that your favorite people in, in the whole world, the people you love to be with the most, were all getting together and they were all conspiring to, to throw you a huge party, the greatest party that you could ever go to with all the stuff that you loved, all your favorite food, your favorite band was going to play live there at this party. And the only hang up is you're not part of the planning committee. You don't know when it's going to happen, but you know, it's going to be amazing. Your favorite people, your favorite food, your favorite stuff to do. That's, that's, that's what the thing's going to be. The only catch is you just don't really know when it's going to when it's going to go down. And basically, when you look at the way all the stuff in Revelation shakes down, as weird as it all is, and as much as we don't know when it's going to happen, the way the whole thing ends is we're in paradise forever with Jesus and everybody that loves him. This thing shakes down to an eternal paradise party. And so that's a great reason that we don't, you know, whatever it is, we don't have to be freaked out about it. And people get, people get kind of in these little waves and stuff, but it's nothing to be scared of. Even though some of the language is freaky and weird, it's nothing to be worried about because it ends in this huge, awesome forever party. You're absolutely right. There's nothing to be scared about. It's nothing to be worried about. It's also something you probably don't want to spend a lot of energy on because as Lee's saying, it doesn't, you don't know when it's going to happen, and it can be a distraction. Jed, can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Everything Lee is saying is is right on. And he mentioned, you know, there's kind of some weird stuff in there. And if you've if you've read through the Book of Revelation, there there is. You know, there's yeah. there's a beast with thirty seven horns or something, and right. you know, and this animal, and it has the tail of a leopard and the hands of a raccoon. And <laughs> right. Well, and in Matthew twenty four, Jesus talks about, and I quote, the abomination that causes desolation. Exactly, which I think yeah. is what the ultimate warrior called himself in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but bottom line, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. But there's also, and it's true both when Jesus talks about the end of the world, and it's true in Revelation. It's clear that w- there's a lot of stuff that we don't know and are not meant to know. You know, Jesus, when he's right. talking about, you know, he says, no one knows the day or the hour, not the angels in heaven, not even the sun only the father um there's moments in revelation where john who's the person that wrote that book is shown things and is not permitted to write them down right um and and part of the point in both cases is that there's stuff that we can't know um that we're in fact not meant to know and part of i think the reason for that is because it's very easy to get distracted and put a bunch of time and energy into all the weird stuff. What's the beast with 37 horns? What does each horn mean and stand for? When there's all this stuff in the Bible about like feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, serving the sick, that it's really easy to understand. It's a matter of doing something about it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what you tend to see a lot of is the more that people are really, really into the end times, the less they're into doing anything to help people. It's a funny little correlation. And I think that happens in part because they're allowing themselves to get distracted. Yeah, Glenn, and I think it's uh, to that point, what are the things people can, why would they get so caught up in this end times and end up ignoring these other things? Can you speak to a little bit of that motivation? Well, yeah, I think there's a, a sense of um, we're, we're, we're looking at uh, the end times as a, 
a distraction. We're looking at it as something sort of exciting and scary. And also there's this really fun feeling of uh, what you call esoteric knowledge. Right. Ooh. It's a fancy word for... Yes, it is. It's a good word, though. It, it's, it's, it's a fancy word for... Uh, only certain people know it that are cool and special. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a bad word in Christianity. Dude, Every- I liked the end times before they were cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, everything is. Jed was pointing out everything that we uh, can know is in the Bible. No one can come along and say I have a super secret knowledge that you don't have and access to something you don't because I'm a super cool christian i'm on the vip level and they tell us the super secret stuff you're anointed glenn yeah and you got to come to the meeting and i will give my prophecies and revelations that only i know and you can't go anywhere else to get it and you got to put money in the plate blah 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 (laughs) uh that's when we get into problems but i think it's along the lines of what jed is saying we get drawn in because it's taking us out of i need to get a job i need to pay off these bills I, you know, my life isn't the way I want it to be, and it becomes a a thing to be overwhelmed by. I think it's all. There's also a thing in there of that you mentioned that point of drama, yeah. yeah. Which a lot of yeah. people, their walk doesn't have any dramatic elements, and they can't conceive of a walk that has interesting dramatic elements with the right. Lord. So they just think about battles in the end times. It kind of go back to what. Jed is saying, as we all know, if you're willing to listen to the Lord, you can get a snoot full of uh, action and adventure right now doing that <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, you, can. Yeah, you don't yeah, actually yeah. have to wait around for another reason on that, Lee. Well, I was going to say, I remember this one time, uh, it was after they they had the, you know, the operation where... Uh, you, you know the where they you know they discovered Saddam Hussein in the in the little bunker and everything, and then he the spider was, hole. Yeah, he he was in the Indeed. little hole thing, and then the international community decided they were going to do this execution and everything. The man was dead, and I went into a store. It was one of these you know Christian stores, and they had no kidding a book on the shelf for fifty percent off that said. On the cover, picture of Saddam Hussein. It said, "Saddam Hussein, the biblical antichrist," and it was, <laughs> it was like, Uh-oh. dude, fifty percent off. I think you just need to take that book out back and put it down. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And it's one of these things where uh, it, it's there's there's so many things that the Lord wants to work on in my in my life right now. So I've got people in my home that you know that that I need to learn how to be. To, I need to learn how to put up with, and I need to learn how to have more kindness at the end of the day when I'm when I'm tired, and that's the thing that I know that the Lord is working on. But wouldn't it be cool just to get on Facebook and talk about how this person or that person is the Antichrist, and to right. get really really fired up about that? Now I've got now I, I've got a soapbox to stand on. Now I've got a thing to be angry about. Now I've got a thing to fire people up about. So and it's not just this the drama of battles and stuff like that. But now I've got now I've got people's ear, and I'm talking to I'm talking about stuff, and we're firing each other up, and it gets on this thing where people just get upset about stuff when there's there's something that the Holy Spirit is knocking on my heart every day about changing and growing, and right here in my home. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, to build on that, I think that's so true, man, is we've talked about this on the podcast before. It bears repeating. The goal of ministry is to set you free. 
Yeah. Um, yep. right. You know, if someone is is uh, ministering to you, their job is to take burdens off of you that you would have less fear Say at the that. end than you had at the beginning. You yes, would have, yes. you know, you'd be less burden at the end than the beginning. Uh-huh. If you wind up more afraid, they yeah. are not ministering to you. <laughs> Some, right. Something has gone wrong. But if you are not looking to minister to people but to manipulate them, uh-huh. then fear is exactly what you do. Right. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that yammers on about the end times is trying to manipulate people. I can't see into their hearts. I don't know. But a lot of them are. A lot of them are trying. I've never actually heard of one who wasn't. Well, I'm 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 trying to be sure. inclusive. <laughs> uh, it's not going well. I'm not good at it, but I'm trying. There you go. Not all of these people are bad, but here's <laughs> here, here's my here's my point. My very inclusive point. Um, people in general that are talking about, as Lee said, getting on their soapbox talking about the end of the times, they're trying to make you afraid so that they can manipulate you, so they can get attention out of you, so that they can get money out of you, mm-hmm. so that the, votes out of you. There's something that they want out of you. That's why they're putting this fear on you. And I bet here's an acid test is if you listen long enough, I bet they bring up stuff that's not end times related for you to be afraid of too. Right. I bet that's just one thing in a cycle. I bet they have a loop of things to go through to make you afraid. And the moment you hear that, it's time to cut and run. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And one of the things about, you know, it does it's meant to get you all twisted up and it's meant to distract you as we're talking about, but it's also meant to uh, just give you this is something we've alluded to before. One thing a lot of white Christians, especially in this country, in the United States, like about the end times is there's good guys and bad guys. Sure. Oh, yeah. and Jesus finally punishes the bad guys, who I'm certainly not one <laughs> of, even though Matthew 25 def- defines good guys as bad guys as how people care about the poor. And I don't care about the poor, but right. I got the bumper sticker in my car. Yeah. It says, yeah. in case of rapture. Yeah, <laughs> this vehicle will be gone. Right, it's almost right. there's a, the ver- a verse in Second Corinthians maybe about you know we'll be called up to meet him in the air. You get the feeling that a lot of people like that idea of looking down upon those who are not called. Later, losers. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. almost as if there were an entire book series that weirdos read about people who were left below. Maybe exactly. something that like is that. Something like that. Can't sue us now, Cameron. <laughs> 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 but it is that whole idea of you know. Oh, you got to get ready. You got to. Well, as we pointed out, it's no one knows the day or the hour. And yeah, it's right. Jesus also says in that bit in Matthew 24 that it will be like it was before the flood in Noah, which he just defines as there will be eating, drinking. People will be marrying and giving to marriage and life's just going to keep going. And then this is stuff's going to go down. Yeah. Right, right, so right. anybody also obviously anybody says, I know when it's coming, either doesn't believe the Bible or is lying. Right. It's one of those. But also people was like, oh, well, this thing happened. It's a sign of the end. There aren't going to be any signs. Well, I, not to interrupt you, but whenever these dudes try to tell me the end of the world's coming, I always tell them the same thing. Can I have your money? Yeah. <laughs> they say, no. I said, well, you're not going to need it. So uh, you you going up to to meet Jesus in the air? You don't you don't you them streets is paid with gold, dude. You you don't need that money. That's the other weird thing about people who get wound, try to get wound up on this. Is to Jed's point, they don't actually know what they're getting wound up on. They just want to be wound up because if you yeah. come on and say, okay, but what you're saying is the, the end of all things, and I, I've read Revelation all the way through, and by the end of it, as Lee's to start out with, it all works out pretty good. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. a new Jerusalem and stuff. So if electing this maybe not white political uh, uh, candidate brings that about, 
why, why don't we want to do that? Yeah. Right. And they don't really know what to do about that? Yeah, yeah. The message just gets a little muddled? One quick thing occurs to me on this. I think it's important. This will sound a little odd, but go with me for a second. I think if you're, if you've got friends and they're wound up on this, and as Bridie said, you know, they're getting, you know, freaked out, I think you want to be clear at the start of this conversation. Are we looking to get you unfreaked out? Or are we trying right. to get me onto your bandwagon? Because uh-huh. those are two uh-huh. different things. You know, I've talked to people about end time stuff. I, I my, my dental hygienist um, is trying to talk to me about the end times. Oh. And I'm um, explaining, well, uh, and her dad's a real good dude and a Christian brother. And I said, well, it, besides and so forth, it's not quite like that. And it sounds like this book you're reading is a little funky. And, you know, probably that dude's just trying to make money. Why not? She says... Yeah, that's what my dad told me. <laughs> disappointed, though. Disappointed. Yeah, to- yeah, yeah, totally yeah, disappointed. Yeah, yeah. All right. But, you know, that happens a lot where people right. will present to you. I'm really concerned because you talked to me about this. But they're actually not looking to not be concerned. Yeah. They want you to be concerned with yeah, them. you're killing the bugs. Exactly right. I think it's really – I got a good fear going. Right. I'm not looking to let <laughs> exactly go of right. that. Exactly right. I think right. it's really good, Bridie, and, and for everybody else to get in the habit with – particularly this kind of stuff, say, are you looking to not be freaked out about this yeah. or are you looking for me to be freaked out with you? Right. One of those I can help with. One, you're on your own. Right. I need you to tell me which yeah. we're dealing with yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, quickly, if I can jump in there, I think the the other thing is there's a sense of we all know a friend or a family member that's not that right now today, from what we can tell, has not made a firm and solid public commitment to becoming a Christian, etc., and so on. But we're talking to them, we're and they're sort of open, and they're sort of tippy toeing forward. And we sort of got a long ways to go, but this respectful conversation happening back and forth and whatever. And what if the end times happen and everybody's raptured and whatever, whatever, would this person be saved? And I think the the, the thing about that that I don't like, the, the, the part of the thinking there that, I, that, that doesn't make sense to me is that the idea that God might judge someone on basis of a technicality, yeah. you know, that idea yeah. of... You know, you didn't make the deadlines or forget sure. it. If someone's God's mo- like the IRS in many ways. <laughs> yes. If you're moving forward, I think the Lord has to credit that to you as like, okay, you, you know, you you were you were heading the right direction. Someone was making suggestions. You were responding to that. You were wrestling with that. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's just a snapshot of where you are in the exact moment before you're 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 called up to heaven. And I think if any of us believe that's what it was, we'd go back to what Jed was saying, or, or I think you were saying, of helping the poor and feeding people. You, you know, if if you think you it's like the boss is coming back, look busy. You know yeah. that kind of thing. Everybody would be feeding the poor. If they thought Jesus is coming, and it was all about the snapshot of what happened the moment he returned. You know. Yeah. I think that brings us to an interesting point, which is, as we're talking about, it is some the time of the the end of times is something that's unknown to us, but it's not random. Sure, right. you know the Bible says that you know it's not going to come until the word has been preached to every nation, tribe, and tongue. God knows when He's pulling the ripcord in this thing, and God doesn't do things artificially. Now, whether we can, we don't want to get into theology of predestination versus free will, or whatever, but. If they're going to get saved, he hath saved them by the time the end time rolls right. around because that's kind of the whole part of the whole God thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's part of another reason not to be freaked out is there's this idea that, you know, the end times and the tribulation and all that will be, you know, <clears throat> chaos and entropy and suffering and all that stuff. But God's in charge of all that stuff. So yeah. what, what are we getting by being freaked out? Well, I, I think I think a really good place, you know, the, where, where, mine go, where my mind goes from what you're saying, Matt, is... Is uh, is that, you know, the 
the the person we're talking about here is God. And what's his personality like? It, do I trust right. him? Yep. Is it is Come he on. the kind of person that I like that I know? Yeah. I mean, this is this is the one who loved me at my worst, who went through uh, who who went through hell itself to to bring me back. I mean, in the end, I don't have to be freaked out because I, I'm in his hands. You know, he's the one in control of all this stuff, and I can trust him. And so I, I, if, you know, I think I think there's a there's a degree at which we need to to be at peace in the fact that. The one who's pulling the strings on this is the one who loved me at my worst, who's treated me with tenderness and patience every second of my experience. And so I, I, I'm good. You know, I, if I'm a little kid in his hands, I can trust we're going to get there. It's going to be fine. Amen. Amen. I, that's, a, that's a great place to leave it. And I'll sum that up by uh, adding out the, the last line of the Bible, which I'm sure a lot of you know, is by the guy who got the revelation and saw, you know, the seven-headed goat or whatever it is. And the last line is, come Lord Jesus. That's where we want to be on this. Get a little peace. And I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be Jesus in front of me. So whatever comes with that, just bring it. What what if you're eating demon cookies when when it all goes down? (laughs) Well, I think your uppance will finally have come. Well, I don't know about you, but my plan is to point at Glenn and try to hide the demon cookie. All right, move on to our next question here. This came in to our Tumblr inbox from our friend Lafayette. It says, as Christians, how are we supposed to process the events of Ferguson, Missouri, and similar incidents involving brutality by the authorities? Real quick, in case you're part of our international audience, I don't know how much this got covered in general, but I'll, I'll run it down for you real quick. Basically, there was a, a police officer shot a young man in, in uh, a town called Ferguson, Missouri, outside of St. Louis. And uh, there's been a lot of civil unrest over the fact that it's been about a month and a half. That officer has not been charged with anything. There's been a lot of um, trying to discredit the victim and point out that he was probably uh, stealing and releasing video that's been doctored. And a a lot of people are very unhappy with the way the uh, police handled that and feel that it points to uh, one thing uh, we'll get these guys talked to to in a second, the fact that um, the justice system in America is pretty slanted against people of color. Yeah, That's actually, you can't really argue with that. The numbers... That's no, empirically prosecutions true. and yeah. arrests and sentencing bear that out. But so just a little bit of background of that. So how as Christians are we supposed to deal with that kind of injustice from the authorities? And Glenn, can you start us off on this one? Absolutely. Uh, and, and we should point out that our perspective on this is uh, working uh, in uh, behind bars with people who've been convicted, uh, being in the court system, uh, that kind of thing. So um it's funny that that a minute fraction of people who talk about crime in this country really have any experience or idea what they're talking about. Yeah. There's a lot of crime shows, cop shows, lawyer shows, judge shows, whatever on TV. Uh, and yet, uh, again, from our experience of being in courtrooms and being in jailhouses and all that, none of that is remotely close no. to reality. I mean, nowhere <laughs> near reality. Uh, so I think people have a sense of, I see that stuff all the time and I know what it's all about. Uh, nothing can be further from the truth. Um, let's, let's, you know, make sure we say one thing loud and clear. The idea that there's one thing we can't say as Christians is one thing we actually can't say as grown folks. Tell me. And that is I stand with my uh, the color of the my people, no matter what. Yeah, that doesn't sanity. Yep. Uh, also, we can't say I stand with the police. Yeah, no matter what, no. that doesn't work. Yeah, 
you, you, police misconduct is not acceptable. Yeah. Uh, uh, if, if, if you have a, uh, a, a criminal misconduct, a crime, a, a person committing a crime and is acting poorly, that still does not excuse police misconduct. That's, and I, and I'm not saying something different from what the police would say and yeah. uh, themselves and what a lawyer would say and so on and so forth. That's, that's how the, the stuff works. So um, there's a, a great deal of talk uh, that uh, from what I see uh, uh, appears to be, I'm going to take something I know is wrong and excuse it because something else. Sure. And that something else might be really related to a fear that you have or a past experience that you have, or, you know, we were talking earlier about sort of being manipulated into being worried and, and frightened about things. But as Christians, we don't make decisions that way. Uh, that's not the kind of stance the Lord would have us make. Yeah, it's very interesting. And one of the things on that that we uh, need to point out is a lot of, I think one of the reasons people do that kind of stand with this or that is because there's just a, uh, their whole worldview depends on that. Yeah. There's, and it's, they'll put a, a level of Christianity on it, and I'll tell you what I mean by that in a minute, but basically say there are some mostly white middle-class people, and, and I can only speak about the United States, where it says, I know I'm a good person and do the right thing because I've never been arrested. Yeah. Right. And you point out to them, well, you've actually done a lot of things that if you lived in another neighborhood would have gotten you arrested. You just got a pass yeah. right? because of yeah. who you're a total random accident of birth. They don't like that. Yeah. Right. You, you remember when you were in college and you smoked a bunch of weed? Yeah. How do you think that would have gone down in a different neighborhood? Right. Or remember when you went seven miles an hour over the speed limit through your nice suburban neighborhood and no one pulled you over and you didn't get pulled over and have drugs planted on you? Yeah. That's right. funny how that works out. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this, uh, the, but the, uh, the, in, the insistence on putting the, the Christian sheen on top of that of, we know God stands for justice and order right. and law. And that's true. But throwing, but shooting children in broad daylight is not really justice. That's not what that is. Well, I think, Matt, there's something, we talk about this a lot with folks coming out of addiction, um, and it, it's really relevant here, which is the idea of facing life on life's terms. Mm -hmm. We need to, if we want to respond to the events of Ferguson, Missouri, part of it has to begin with facing the world for what it is. Okay, um, all of us are tempted to buy into very convenient narratives about the way life works that are not actually true. Yeah. Okay, Matt's describing the idea of you know there are the police and the police are good, and then there are bad people in places like the inner city, and they do bad things, and that's the world we're living in. That's simply not true. Right. That's not the world that we live in. Well, the uh, the thing that sums us up, and we'll joke about this a lot in Chicago is. Hey, the police don't just arrest innocent people. Come on now. Yeah. That happens yeah. literally all the time every day. Yeah. To, to be clear, I have uh, relatives that are police officers that are wonderful people, fantastic, upstanding people. Um, I have close personal friends that are police officers that are fantastic, upstanding people. There are also police officers who do arrest innocent people, right. and it happens every day in the city of Chicago. Right. There's no way around that. There are also all kinds of people in Cook County Jail right now that have not committed a crime. Right. Did not have the intention to commit a crime. Right. We're not going to commit a crime. They're there because of injustice inherent to the system. Yeah. So, and, that, and that's why they're going to get a day in court yeah. rather than just immediately sentenced by the police officer. Exactly right. Exactly right. So my point, though, is that when we um, 
when something like Ferguson happens, we have a choice. It's threatened our narrative. Um, the, the facts of the case are a police officer shot an unarmed young person, I think, nine times, including twice in the head. That happened. That's actually a matter of medical record. That's that's not open to debate. Um, but we have a choice in that moment because this threatens our view of the world. This threatens the idea that there are cops that are good guys and and other people that are bad guys. So we either have to double down on that view or our whole view of the world is thrown into tumult. Right. We, we don't know what to do with ourselves. The godly response in that moment is to turn to the Lord and say, how do you want me to see reality? Right. Not how does Fox News want me to see reality? Right. Not how does the people at the Christian bookstore want me to see reality? Lord Jesus, how do you want me to see reality? Right. Who do you say is righteous and moral and upstanding or not? Right. But let the Lord begin to give you a sense of what uh, reality is and what your view of the world should be. I think it's exactly right, but uh, as we talk about a lot in the uh, the podcast, oftentimes before that step comes in of the logic and the thoughtfulness and what we can do on that, we have to first uh, kind of process through how we feel about this. Sure, stuff. absolutely. And what I think what a lot of people say is, you know, a lot of what a lot of people are dealing with is being outraged and being heartbroken and trying to get fed the narrative that's not how right. you, those aren't Christian feelings. And Lee, can you maybe speak a little bit to that? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think one of the things that 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 happens is something like this happens and. Your overwhelming feeling is that is the saddest thing I've ever heard, and I'm very, very angry about that. And and, and like Jed's saying, all of a sudden, you know, now, now you have you you have a challenge to the way that the world has been presented to you. Well, am I allowed to be angry about this? Because yep, 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 yep. if the way that I've always been fed the world is you've got the good guys and the bad guys, but down inside my heart, inside my spirit, I feel very. I feel very upset by this. And the answer to that is, you should be very upset about it. You should be upset about it. You should be pissed that this is the world that you live in. You should be sad for the families that are going through this. You should pray for them. I mean, you should follow the, you know, like Jed's saying, going to the Lord and asking him, how do you want me to see this? How do you want me to see the world? How do you see the world? And also, um, I feel really upset about this. Um, should I chase those feelings down? And I think the thing that you would find from the leading from the Holy Spirit is absolutely like, yeah. let's, let's talk together about those families, pray for those families and stuff like that. And the other thing is, let's say like, okay, so this is happening, like Matt said, outside of St. Louis. Well, I live, you know, outside of Knoxville, which is eight hours from St. Louis, you know, and driving in a car. What am I supposed to do about Ferguson? And what's really interesting to me is about the same time that this that this whole thing went down, um, it was kind of the start of the of the school year, and there was a there was a kid who had transferred from a, a, a nearby school into our local high school, and uh, basically what happened was I'll, I'll keep this kind of short. A lot of the adults in our community. And not really a lot of the high school kids, but mostly the adults in our community basically said, uh, we need to, we need to uh, uh, oust this kid. He needs to not be given uh, a fair shake on his sports team. He needs to not, you know, we need to kick this kid because he was kicked off his team three times over in the other town. And obviously, if his coaches kicked him off the team, then he is a bad kid, and we need to make sure that we don't get, you know, that we keep this kid out uh, from influencing our our kids that you know that are on our team and everything, and uh, and uh, you know, so and that was kind of happening.
happening at the same time as the stuff in Ferguson. Obviously, not not violent, not as sad, not all, all that kind of stuff. But the thing that it made me want to do was I wanted to go to the high school as soon as I heard that the next day. And I went and found that kid, and I met him, shook hands with him, and I invited him to lunch the next day, bought him a cheeseburger, and got to know him. You know what? He's yeah, an awesome yeah. kid. Yeah, He's an awesome kid. Go. And okay. uh, and the reason I bring that up is to say this. You, you're not in Ferguson, Missouri. So what can you do about this? You have some sadness. You've got some confusion and anger about it. Here's what you can do. In your town right now are people that are voiceless, that are misunderstood, yeah. that yeah. are misrepresented, yeah. that are excluded, and that are hated. And what if you found those people and got to know them? Yes, right. And and I'm talking. I, I and you know my what what I did with this one kid. This was an investment of about twelve dollars and an hour and a half. And we exchanged phone numbers, did cheeseburgers, and talked. Now we text and we hang out and stuff like that. And and here's the deal on that. Um, you find out that the way that the people write the script of the world is not true. This kid's story is more nuanced than people tell it. It's it's everybody's view of it is reductive and uh, and 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 it doesn't tell the whole story. And then you get to know this, and then an amazing thing happens because here's the deal: the Holy Spirit loves those misrepresented people in your town. Yeah. And when you start hanging out with them, and my 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 brothers on this podcast will tell you this is exactly true. You start hanging out with them, you start to hear their story, you will feel an unbelievable weight of of love for these people. Yeah. You will feel yeah, the Holy Spirit it. squeezing your heart saying, I love that you're reaching out to them because I love this dude and nobody gives him a shake. Nobody yeah. gives him a fair shake. And it makes me feel so good. I'm so glad that we're working together to show this person love. And so that's what you can do is start finding those people and, and showing them love. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's absolutely right. One of the things we, we one of the uncomfortable things this kind of, I, the, uh, events in Ferguson and the other side brings up is that idea of what the Bible calls oppression. That's yeah. basically there are people who have power, there are people who don't have power, and people who have power are working real hard to keep it that way and make life terrible for the uh, the younger people. The Psalms talk about oppression a lot, and Glenn, can you kind of unpack that idea of oppression, what that means in the Bible, what that means yes. for us today? Yeah, here's the thing is, is, is the Bible says that we as Christians are meant to stand with the oppressed, that um, it, the Bible says over and over again, that uh, that the, the people who have money and power are going to use that to unfairly treat the poor. Yeah. So, and that God hates that. Mm. <laughs> yes. And so we are meant to stand with those who are oppressed. Now, here's the problem with that, is that scared people think that they are the ones being oppressed. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. That's your problem there. So... I want to run for, you know, uh, governor. I make Jed terribly scared. Oh, I'm so scared. Tell me what to do. I didn't didn't really mean to trigger a, an improv thing. But I'm already committed to the bit now. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Um, so, you can't stop Jed. You know that. Yeah. So the, the thing with that is if I make Jed terribly scared and he feels like um, the, the one thing that he needs to do to deal with being scared is to vote for me and I get voted and I get elected, something weird has happened where in order for me to sort of justify that situation, now that I'm elected, Jed is going to expect me to do something about the problem that doesn't exist 
that I made up and for, how? Jed, for Jed to be <laughs> for Jed to be scared of. So now I have to fix something that's not fixed. I got to, you know, yeah. if I make Jed scared of crime in the streets that's going to affect him in the suburbs or something, then I have to go into the, the out into the streets with a bunch of cops and do all sorts of stuff that's violent or extreme or whatever sure. in order to be hard on crime or whatever have you. So, um, and then the police are sort of following through with an expectation that's being placed on them. So for, so you can break the cycle of that by not ever letting someone make you afraid that's talking to you about politics, that's talking yeah. to you about what's going on in the, in the community, and to recognize uh, I'm not afraid of these uh, oppressed people. Uh, like Lee is talking about, if I see somebody that's trouble, it's got issues, it has concerns, what can I do to get closer to that person? How can I help that person? How do we stand with that Absolutely. person? doesn't mean excusing everything that those other people are doing. It's just saying... We as Christians stand with those people who are oppressed. Amen. I think part of the, uh, just to piggyback on that, part of that making you afraid and for the political um, political game, the monetary game, is always goes back to kind of what we started with, this, about that kind of tribalistic idea. If yeah. I know you're, yeah. and they, there's all sorts of coded language. It's us and them, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's, all, it's good, hardworking it's not a traditional American understanding, anymore, Matt. traditional yeah. value yeah. voters yeah. 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 who are the good ones. And then there's other people. You know, <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah, you know, just others. I'm not going to say which particular shade of others, but I think we all know what I mean. Yeah. Them. Sure. And that is, as goes back to what Glenn, where Glenn started with this, that I drawing along those kind of tribalistic, uh, racial, socioeconomic lines is not what we're called to do as Christians. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, the Bible says that Christian is the designation that matters more than all others. And within that is you got to stand up for the oppressed. You'll notice that nowhere in the Bible does it say stand up for the oppressed as long as they don't have a felony record. Yeah. Right. Or stand up for the oppressed who have the same skin color as you. Right. Yeah. Because even in America, we're, we, I, we don't want to get into the whole kind of the politics and the uh, socioeconomics of it. But the uh, even in America, the criminals, even the white ones get treated better. Yeah. Massively. Sure. The, uh, the, uh, there's are there are drugs that break down by. Um, uh, racial lines pretty significantly. Crystal meth, for example, being something that is predominantly a white rural drug and crack cocaine being in the inner city. And for a long time, it was about 50 to one, the sentencing on that. Yeah. Right, right. And that's not an accident. And that's again. So as Glenn's saying, so they can have um, a lot of, uh, so people can put up political ads about how, right. how long they put people away for. Well, and there's a lot of hype about that stuff in the media and everybody has sort of a stake yeah. in their viewpoint. What we're trying to do is just tell you, Flat out, and we ain't voting for. We're none of us are running for any office yeah. or anything. We're just trying to tell you the raw yep. data that comes across. And maybe the most critical thing to, to say here is to be clear: you can be on whatever you're, you want to be on. We're not trying to tell you how to vote or where to take your politics, but we are saying the Bible's clear: God stands with the oppressed, and right. He calls yeah, right. you to stand with the oppressed. And there are Absolutely. some people, not to catch you off, who are trying to use poor as a. Um, code word for bad, and the Bible's not on that. Absolutely, right. and and the Bible, you know, to to be clear, if what you're trying to be on is something other than stand up for the poor and the oppressed, that's not Christian, right? Yeah, it, that's right. It's your decision to do that, but just don't call it the Jesus thing because it's definitively not that. Right. That's this is all great stuff. I want to close this out. I want to on one real point that we didn't touch on, but I want to make sure it gets covered. And it's something that we don't talk a lot about on this podcast for uh, very clear reasons. It's one thing that. You don't always get caught up in Christian stuff, and that's the idea of doing something politically. Mm. We And as Jed and Lee and Glenn have all pointed out, the Christian answer on this is going to the jailhouse, going to the shelter, helping people out one-on-one. -on -one. That's all that Matthew 25 stuff. That's 
the most Christian thing you can be on. However, if those of like of us, like us in America and a lot of the country people listen to this, who are fortunate enough to live under a democratic regime, you can use you can use political means on your end to institute change. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing unchristian about doing that. But it's it's you want to do it smartly. You don't want to get caught in just going the other way and saying, "Well, all cops are bad because I said all right, poor right, are bad." Right. That's fine if you want to do that in the Christian way. That's all good. And we're going to move on to our next question. All right, our next question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, "Hi, hello. I dated a guy. I dated a guy three years ago after ending a bad relationship where I was verbally and emotionally abused. Even though this new guy was a great Christian man, I stopped dating him because I didn't feel emotionally secure." When God began healing my wounds, I started dating this guy again. I saw something different in him, but now I'm scared to go further in the relationship. He told me he loves me. Is it me? Is it because I'm independent? Am I a player? This guy is so persistent that it's annoying. Jed, can you start us off? I can. And the thing that's uh, the, the first thing, the most important thing is that I'm really sorry for the tough stuff you've been through. Yep. Uh, and, and all of us are. And we've yeah. got your back. The thing that's interesting to me, though, darling, and, and it's actually it's pretty common in a lot of ways for folks that have come from a rough background is you're not talking at all about what you want. Like y- yeah. your desires aren't coming up. Uh, and that's that's a problem. Um, maybe you're a player. Maybe you're not. We'll get into that. Maybe this is a good dude. Maybe he's not. We can take a look at that. But you're not expressing just what you want to see happen. Right. And and the thing is, um, you kind of can't wind up happy or satisfied if you're not addressing your desires. Yeah. You know, when people are in abusive situations, one of the things that's really unfortunate but that happens pretty commonly is they kind of internalize the idea that I'm not really supposed to have desires. That's right. that's not I'm here to fulfill other people's desires. Yeah. I'm not I'm not really meant to have desires of my own. Yeah. So they kind of just stop thinking about that. Well, it's not a healthy way to live and it's certainly not a healthy way for you to live. Um in order to figure out what to do, not just with this relationship, but with relationships generally, we need to start getting in touch with what you want out of life. What kind of person would you like to be dating? What what kind of relational yeah. life would you like to have? What what would your dream relationship look like? You know, would right. you guys skip through the field and pick wildflowers, or you know, what what what? Stop w- reading my journal, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and there were horses and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what? If you could design your life, including the relational stuff, to be any way you wanted, what would it look like? You know, if you were to just wave a magic wand, just have it be that way, you know, what kind of life would you have and what kind of relationships would you have and what kind of romantic relationships would you have? The more that you put work into getting a sense of what that is and including the Lord in that process and talking through those desires with him, maybe talking them through the mentor or pastor, you're going to have a much, much better idea if this dude's a good fit or not on a lot of levels. In other words... If you said, you know, I want to have a life that's full of adventure and I want to, you know, see the world and I want to, you know, uh, uh, take it all in. And this is a dude where his key interest is sitting at home and playing solitaire. That's really his abiding passion. That, That may not be the greatest fit. Um, I mean, opposites do attract, but we would certainly want to, you know, think long and hard before we, you know, got into that relationship. But if we're not being clear about the kind of life you're looking for, then maybe Solitaire Boy is great. It's really hard to tell. But I I think the place that uh, we need to begin is by getting in touch with your feelings, not just about this dude, but generally and your desires and your hopes and dreams with your life. I think that's absolutely right. And part of that kind of getting a vision for the future is kind of letting go of what's gone on in past relationship stuff, right, Glenn? 
Absolutely. I th- there's a it, it's a really bad idea to make the present guy pay for what the last guy did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah it's kind of yeah. not fair. Like if you want to go to your 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 old boyfriend and kick him in the shins, that's probably theologically pretty sound. But and if you need a ride, just let us know. Yeah, you know, yeah. Say so that podcast is not authorized statements made by Glenn Fitzgerald. Yeah. Uh, yeah but one way or another, we we don't want to make our present guy uh, pay for what the other guy did because that's not fair to him. Uh, we want to be able to approach this uh, from a sort of a fresh perspective. Um, but I think there's also a, a sort of a hint that I'm hearing in this thing, a, a sense of an imbalance that he's maybe being more vulnerable than you are and maybe, you know, more uh, putting it out there, being more assertive in this relationship than you are. Uh, that's actually not good. For yeah, your relationship, no. you do not want to have that disparity where you're letting him be more vulnerable, letting him drive the, the the sort of the interest and the motive, the motivation of that relationship. You want to be able to both come as equal partners in those things. If you're not ready for that, maybe take some time off. But it's important that you not let someone else. Uh, give more to you than what you're prepared to reciprocate. And that's not like a tit for tat, you understand, but it's, uh, we need to be in the same ballpark. Well, and and it's interesting that you, you know, like (coughs) if, if you, if you look at this and you say, well, he's being more vulnerable and he's being more assertive about us being together and all that kind of stuff. And I don't really know where I am. And like, you know, this could be very telling. Of, of what sure. needs to happen here in the sense that, you know, you've been through some really, really hard stuff. And that's, like Jed said, we feel awful for you. And that's, and that's so, you know, th- that really sucks. We're praying for you and all that kind of stuff. And it makes sense that you're not ready to just jump into something else. But I think a lot of Christian folks get really confused about this one point, which is just because somebody's a good Christian dude, it doesn't mean you're honor bound to oh, date man. them. Right. Tell it. And so, you know, like when, when Glenn's saying this thing feels a little out of balance, maybe that's because you don't want to date him. Right. I mean, you're saying, man, he's so persistent. It's annoying. Well, <laughs> yeah. man, I, I would never want to be with somebody that annoyed yeah. me. I mean, uh, the one of my questions for you is, do you feel like as a Christian woman, you are free to say, you know what? You're a good dude. I'm not interested yeah. in you. Yeah. And and that, do you feel like you have the right to say that? Because one, you have the right to say that. You have the right to not be into somebody, and 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 he should respect that and and uh, and move on and 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 back and back off, you know. And so I think that's one of the things is it makes sense that you're not because of what's happened. It makes sense that you're kind of reticent to jump into something else. But you should know that whatever the case, you have the right. Just because somebody's a good Christian dude, you don't have to say. All right, now I have to be in this relationship because you're a good Christian person. Well, I think a very important point you touched on there, Lee, is, and we say this a lot on the podcast, it makes sense. Yeah, right. You got in a relationship, you got burned. You yeah. Say, you talk about it being emotionally and verbally abused, and let's just, this is an extra point of my third free. Anybody who tells you that that doesn't count as abuse, you can go and kick them right in the knee. Right. Because it does. Then ask them, does up. that account as sure. abuse? <laughs> right. Just want to find why out yeah. where the line Why is. didn't you just leave before I kicked you in the chin? Right. Yeah. You know. Aren't you complicit in this in some way? You're still here. <laughs> yeah. Well played. These are things we say out loud sometimes that you think we don't. But part of that is it does make sense, and it does make sense to be scared about what a relationship is going forward, but just because yeah. fear makes sense doesn't mean it's helping. Exactly right. Uh, it's, a, it's a situation where 
of course you're going to be uh, feel a bit snake bit, as we would say in the South, where you you've been here before. Negative things coming up. Uh, you're you're maybe a little hyper vigilant. You're just sort of looking at every little thing and saying, "Oh, I wonder if that means does that mean this? Does it mean that?" Um, but uh, that fear is not helping you. Yeah, totally. Uh, discernment will, wisdom will, uh, you know, prayer. Just Lord, what's going on? Is this something? Is it not something? I think all of us uh, on this podcast uh, have to deal with situations where we've been burned by this kind of person in the past. Yep. Now I'm around Church this person who's people. Yeah, there you go. And that and and so I'm now I'm around a different person, but they kind of look, walk, talk, and act like the people who had burned me before. So is it just me, or is this this, or is it whatever? And to be able to take that and bounce it off the Lord, it's really important to do that because I think uh, what what I see a lot of online uh, uh, with the, the the blogs that I read and the the posts that I, I read is, uh, and, and when you look at movies, all this kind of stuff in the culture, there's sort of this female fantasy of, I am just living my life, y'all. Then suddenly there's this hot guy. He's just dying to be with Correction. Us. There are two hot guys. There's two hot guys. Both dying to be with you. One... He's very handsome, but he's a bad boy, and he's not right for me, and I just can't see it. But the other one is <laughs> quiet and shy, and he's amazing, and I hope I end up with him in the end. Doesn't one of them become a wolf? I'm confused I on this think point. think yes. Well, that, that one can protect you better than the other one can. And someone's all glittery. But is that because he can go out in the sun? I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know how well, the one, physics One of them is really works. scary because he's, he goes all glittery in the sun. It's it's really the speed of shirt removal yeah. that, uh, you know, kind of solves it. So, but one way or another, don't, uh, don't pursue a relationship where that appears to be playing out because man is yeah. that unhealthy if 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 you're at a place where as leah's saying if you're a place where you're a little afraid of this and you're not ready for it it's okay to back out of that and tell the guy i need you to push on find another gal who is ready i'm not quite in that place yet and just to to kind of bring together a lot of what you're hearing so much of what we're encouraging you to do is so you can have both healthy relationships and peace yeah. The, the more that you own your decisions, that you take charge of your decisions, the more that you actively drive the relationships that you are a part of, the more that you get in touch with your desires, the more peace you're going to have about mm. the situations that you're in, about the decisions that you're making. And the more that's going to free you up to do what Lee has described, which is exactly right, of looking at certain relationships and saying, I'm not feeling it. It's yeah. it. I don't right. have a big reason for that. It's not that he's a jerk or a bad dude. I'm just not feeling it. I just right. and, and I don't have to be in a relationship with a dude I'm not feeling. So yeah. I'm not going to be. Well, and, um, and one of the confusing things on that is that, that people feel like, and, and, and I think this is where the, this person's getting, you know, she's getting some of this thing of, am, am I a player? Yeah, right. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. there's, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of feedback that people give you a lot of blowback on this of, of saying like, well, if you turn somebody down, then you must be a player. So here's the deal about, here's the deal about players that we need to just say so, right yeah. out. People that are players know that they're players yes, they yes. yeah they know they know what they're doing that when when you are a player that's something that you do on purpose that is a calculated that is a that that is a manipulated Lee, situation. to that point i remember a precise moment in high school where i was kind of trying to you know have more going on with two girls than i should have had and i remember the exact moment realizing i am a player now I, that that <laughs> right. thing i just said is what a player says in this moment yes, yes. switch yeah. there <laughs> 
Do I have to start yeah. wearing vests yeah. now? <laughs> so, you know, but being but being assertive and knowing, I don't really know if this is for me. I think I'm going to shut this down now. That's not the same thing as no. being a player. That's not the same thing at right. all. When you find yourself, you know, uh, you know, lying over here, manipulating over here, keeping somebody on the hook on yep. this side, saying the thing that's going to keep this little you know spark it. alive just because it feels good to have a lot. That's called yep. being a player. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a whole different thing than saying. You know what? You're a nice dude, but I'm not yeah. feeling it. Well, I think that goes to something we talk about a lot on the podcast because people just keep buying these books. Um, there's a thing in the whole Christian dating, Michigas, I'll go with. Wow, well done. cursing in a different language than the one I speak of demonizing normal behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Da- the idea yeah. that any path other than, well, we met in the high school youth group and then we dated all through college and then we got married on the day she graduated with the same person equals commitment phobe and player and casual hookup scene think piece in yeah. relevant magazine yeah. it's just no sometimes you're dating someone and you look at the wow. look at the one day and go i don't think i want to be dating you anymore yeah right, right. and that's fine that's healthy that's the way adults go on things as yeah. you guys pointing out that kind of goes back to oddly enough we were talking about some of the last couple questions to just i don't want to be thought of a player I'll just stay in this bad relationship forever because that's what Jesus would want me to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really how life works now, is it? No. Well, I cursed in Yiddish. We uh, yeah. we solved the world's problems. I think we probably ready to wrap this one up. Uh, we've ticked all the boxes. Yeah. All right. Well, Offended pretty much everyone. When record time. If you've got a question. Well, Jed's point, Jed reminds me of something I want to say I've said in previous things. This refers Specifically to the second question we uh, we answered today, if we said anything in that that offended your your deeply held beliefs, good. Listen to something. That else. was our intention. <laughs> go somewhere else. If you look at the stuff that happened in Ferguson and go, well, I don't know, maybe these people have a point. Don't, this is not the show for you. We're not going to. We're not going to be for you. We're not going. We can't make a show for you. No, we can't. It's not going to get any better. So no, yeah. we're only going to go further down that road. But if you're still around and you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you write us on Tumblr, make sure to mention that you wanted answered on the podcast because we answer those questions on the blog as well. We have other blogs. We have that Bridge blog. We have the Uncle Glenn blog. It's quite popular. It's. White it's Uncle Glenn, U-N-K-A-G-L-E-N.tumblr.com. We got LeeYounger.com. We got JedBrewer.com, JedBrewer.tumblr.com. I think JedBrewer.com still goes to Jed's previous record, maybe. It goes nowhere at the moment. Oh. Like my life. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorical website. Wow. That's next level. We also have some other podcasts. I want to talk to you. Take a real quick second to talk about the Bridge Podcast. We got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in the month of October over on our bridge podcast that comes out every Monday. We've got Nashville singer songwriter, Eric Peters is going to be our guest worship leader for the entire month of October. What that means, pardon me, is Eric has recorded four hymns. He chose them. He uh, recorded them. Lee actually went out and helped him record the vocal. And then Jed produced those for him. And uh, he, we're going to be premiering one of those world premiere exclusive every week on the bridge podcast in the month of October. On that podcast, you also get a lot of good original worship music from uh, Jed and Lee pop up on there, uh, preaching from Glenn, some Bible memorization tracks. It's a lot of fun. It's a 20-minute worship service right there in your headphones for free and exclusive Eric Peters tracks every month in October. And some other Nashville folks may pop up on there. Former member Cayman's Cole Andrew Sango on a little guitar. You never know what's going to happen over there on the Bridge Podcast. You can find that on iTunes or we'll link to it on our blog. We're, uh, speaking of that, we got an outro song for you this week, and we're going to do uh, 
the first hymn Eric ever did for us. It was came out a couple months ago. It's a song you probably know called Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. Eric did a really great job on it. Jed did a really good job producing it. We think you're really going to enjoy that track. We'll leave you with that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about our it. Our cookies belong to Satan, but our hearts belong to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain Fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely. Yes.